Hello and welcome to Beyond the Blind. I'm your host, Jack Colombo, here with my new co-host, Christian Brands. Hey, what's up, guys? Today we're going to be talking about deer hunting, specifically archery. So we're going to kind of kick off our podcast with scouting. You want to start us off? Yeah, so we're, we're getting into October here, which is definitely a great time to get out in the woods bow hunting. Um, if you haven't started yet, it's probably not too late, but it's definitely a time you want to start getting, getting prepared now and get out there soon. Uh, so we want to set you guys up for success with some scouting tips today. Uh, so pretty much the first step anytime you're scouting for whitetails is finding the main trails. And this is actually pretty easy to do. All you got to do is get out to your hunting spot start hoofing it, look around, and look for the most heavily used trails you can find. Usually they're pretty obvious, they stick out like a sore thumb. This is kind of the easy stage of scouting. So you're just at this point establishing what areas the deer are moving through. And from there, uh, the next thing I like to do is follow those trails. Um, also using satellite maps at this stage is a good idea uh, for locating uh, the food source and the bedding area that those deer are using and traveling between. If you can set up along that the trail between those two areas or between bedding areas or between feeding areas perhaps, um, anywhere along one of those heavily used trails, you're probably gonna see deer at some point. Now we'll get into trail cameras a little bit later, which are a great tool to help you identify specific deer, see when they're moving through a certain area, but there's no substitute for just getting your feet on the ground and, and scouting out those trails, food sources, and bedding areas to start with. But uh, Jack is kind of our resident expert on tra uh, using trail cameras to scout for whitetails, so I'm going to turn it over to him. Uh, Jack, what are you looking for when you have a trail camera and you want to put that out and start getting some pictures of deer? Well, okay, first off, I'd like to say, not quite an expert, just a bit of experience. <laughs> Whatever you classify a bit of experience is. But, um, yeah, what you're kind of looking for is, um, lots of people like to put, uh, trail cams in, um, bedding areas or right on the exact heavy trail. And lots of the times you'll get a lot of artifact. We call artifact, um, footage that is, or footage or pictures that are just of nothing. Right. Triggered by brushes, the wind, leaves, whatever triggers it. But... Like I was saying, make sure that when you're setting this stuff up, a lot of these heavy trails are going to be up in tall grass and stuff. Right. And they could even be just heavy because it's easier and more stuff to pat down. That's another thing you want to look out for. But be uh, mindful of where you're putting it as far as um, getting too much artifact. Um, and where you're wanting to put it is probably more um, in woods or like edges of fields. We've got, let's see, how many trail cams on 40 acres? Altogether, we probably have, a, we're probably running close to 10 right now. Probably, yeah, in the that one spot, probably five. Yeah. We've got three cellular cams and uh, two, um, uh, whatever they're called, non-cellular. Regular, normal. Just regular. But we're uh, going to get into... Uh, um, buying your trail cams here in just a minute, but I'm going to give you a little uh, heads up about positioning. Um, I can tell you right off the bat, a trail camera's best friend are sticks. When sticks? You're, what yeah, do you mean? You never, you don't know? You're putting up trail cams, the best way to get a perfect angle, sticks. Hmm. 
It's really helpful. You can ask anyone who knows trail camming, sticks. They're amazing. I can't tell you how many times I've used sticks to get the perfect angle because I couldn't get it just straight on on a tree. Okay, so how would you go about using a stick to get this perfect angle? So, um, you know, lots of trees, they're kind of just straight up and down or bent one way or another. Mm -hmm. um, and you, like, imagine you, first off, just straight up um, and down tree, perfect placement. That's what you like to look for, right? Yes, that's Impossible. good. But one thing that I kind of like to do is it's it's not always the best idea to set up trail cams high um, high up on trees. But right. if you do, because of like branches, low hanging branches, or like taller stuff, um, taller like grass and stuff that you don't want to cause as much artifact, you put it up higher and you put a stick on top of it behind it. So it gets a good tilted angle, so I it's see. kind of almost looking down. So you're kind of wedging a stick in behind the camera as sort of a shim to get that angle you're looking for. Yes. Okay, nice yeah. trick. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and again, that's the same thing with, um, and again, 90% of the time you're not going to be dealing with straight up and down trees. <laughs> right, most trees are not like that, unfortunately. So that's, again, that's why sticks are trail camera's best friend. Okay. Now we're going to hop into buying trail cams. Um, what trail cams do we have? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I know the one I bought was a Victor, which honestly, I just went on Amazon, you guys, and I looked for like the cheapest, well-rated trail camera that I could find. I did the same thing with a rangefinder, and I found one for a really good price. Um, so Amazon actually can be an often overlooked place to find great deals on outdoor gear. Um, but yeah, I, I think the brand was Victor on mine. Yeah, um, it was Victor. Is it Spy Point for the cell cameras? Uh, yes, I believe it is Spy Point. Okay. Yeah, we're what about those other the regular ones? Um, yeah, so um, my um, my family we we actually run. I myself have a Victor. It was a forty dollar um, trail cam. Lots of people overlook the cheaper trail cams because they um, you know think you know cheaper you buy you get what you pay for. Forty bucks can actually get you a, a nice trail cam. Yeah, I mean, honestly. I think the when trail cameras first came out, they were you know so much of a novelty. Um, and the quality of the, the ones that was there wasn't that great at the time, but the technology's really improved, and uh, with that, um, the market is kind of diversified, I guess you could say. So there's a lot more options than there used to be, um, which means that there's some better priced uh, value options online oftentimes that you can find. Yeah, so back to what I was saying. Um, I run a Victor um, M500, I believe it is. Okay. Um, I think you run the M550. Okay. It's a flat version. Uh, mine And it's got a square uh, light emitter. Mine has a triangle. But, um, um, yeah, so we're running... Um, I've got um, a Victor, and uh, my family has um, two Fox Ellie's. They're... Um, it's a little more expensive. They're not as good. They're higher, they're, um, higher price, but they're actually not as good. <laughs> I... Um, before I actually got my parent, um, my parent, my dad into uh, trail camming, um, this uh, this early spring until pretty much late summer, my dad didn't really have anything to do with trail cams, and I was just running this single trail cam on forty acres every single week, unless I found a really um, golden spot. I was just moving it back and forth. So that's a good. Um, that's a good um, example of how you can use one trail cam for a big area, but like I said, like it's a lo it's a lot nicer to have um, 
lots of trail cams, but that's expensive. Right. Now, so kind of what we do with the number that we're, that we have out on such a small portion of land, like Jack said, it's about 40 acres, but, uh, it's a big field surrounded by, um, uh, areas where the deer kind of come in to feed. They're coming Horse in from pastures. bed. Um, yep. So there's, there's a lot of different kind of environments around that field. So there's a lot of possibilities for where to put up cameras. Um, and what we've done essentially just to cover all of our bases is just to put a camera on each main trail coming in and out of the field that we've identified, uh, which I think has worked pretty well. We've gotten some awesome pictures, some pretty monster bucks, and a lot of does, some turkeys this last week. Uh, so it's really exciting once you get a camera or two or five out there to start yes. seeing what you're getting. But uh, that was um, kind of deciding, just an overview of when you're trying to decide on what trail cam to get, don't be deterred if it's cheap. Obviously, cheap. there's a lot of cheap trail cams that are cheap. You know, they're not very good. Look cheap at quality. ratings. Yeah. Ask friends. Do not shy away from a trail cam just because it's cheap. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a pretty simple job that you're asking that camera to do, right? You're yeah. just wanting it to capture a clear image of the animal that triggers the motion sensor, uh, or a video in some cases. We yeah. like to use that as well. Um, but it doesn't take that much. You don't need to, to spend your life savings <laughs> to, to get a good trail camera or a few uh, in order to more effectively scout your hunting area. Yeah. And we're going to um, have a quick discussion about um, cellular versus non-cellular. Yeah, what are the benefits of each, Jack? So, um, obviously, cellular, it's... It's nice because you uh, can leave it out there for who knows how long you can until the battery dies or you run out of space, um, and you can um, receive these photos as they come in. And it's really one thing I love about it is that you don't disturb the area. That is um, very nice because you know you don't want to be walking in and out there trying to check your trail cam when there you know could be deer bedded fifty yards away, which is kind of the case with us, which is why. We uh, um, run cellular trail cams on um, one side of our uh, um, our acres, um, but I honestly I can tell you that cellulars, if you have the money and you're wanting and you're willing to spend that, great, get cellulars. But if you don't, don't spend it on cellulars because they're not necessary. Get non-cellulars. Like I was saying, don't shy away from it just because it's cheap. Do your research, make sure that it's a good trail cam, you'll be fine. Yeah, now how we kind of use those cellular cameras, as Jack was hinting at, uh, we do use some uh, closer to where we hunt more often, but we also have a property a couple hours away that we hunt uh, a couple of times a year, usually more for the gun season, um, but we have several cellular cameras up there. And I believe the system they're on is they're attached to uh, a separate an battery, battery, an external battery, so that they can basically run the entire season. And I think there's enough space on the cards you guys have in those that they're never really going to fill up. Yeah, and most most uh, cellular trail cams will let you delete photos off the cards so you can make more space. Right. Now, how does that kind of managing system work when you're far away from that camera? Um, they come to your cell phone, right? When yes. it takes a picture, it gets sent to your phone, and then you're able to go in and kind of manage things that way. Yeah, so most of the time, most trail cams, again, we have the spy point. I can't remember exactly the name of it, but um, they send it to you. Sometimes uh, filters, so you can put filters on of what deer you want to see or what type of animal. Um, so all the artifact gets cut out, all the, uh, 
pictures of birds, turkeys, who knows what gets cut out. I would suggest don't use filters, look for yourself. But if, you know, you're getting a lot of artifacts, sure, go ahead. But, um, yeah, when these photos come in, again, check them out. Again, um, kind of just base off of uh, what you're um, experiencing. Like, if you're experiencing a lot of butts of deer, maybe <laughs> set your trail cam trigger a little faster. Or you're experiencing f way too many photos of deer, set it so it's, you know, slower. Slower, uh, no, faster. No, what? What am I saying? Oh, sorry. Slower, so you were not, um, slower, uh, capture, um, intervals. So that you're not getting, um, as many pictures of deer. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you're not getting, like, 50 pictures of one deer that's just walking slowly past your camera. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, these, these are all things, too, that you use, um, for non-cellular, but when they're far away, just... I would say just judge it as best as you can um, when you're putting them up and, you know, just kind of go from there. Um, now we're going to hop into uh, setup. You want to kick us off for setup? Uh, yeah, so once you've kind of identified uh, those areas the deer are using, your kind of main trails, food source, bedding areas, uh, once you've kind of figured out hopefully where those deer are coming in and leaving your hunting area, um, those main trails they're using in and out, uh, once you've kind of established uh, when they're moving through, hopefully by either using those trail cameras or just by plain old sitting out in your spot watching what those deer do uh, while you're hunting or just while you're scouting, uh, once you've done all that kind of homework, uh, you're ready to start setting up for the season. So uh, I have always used a lot of ground blinds. Um, I started out more as a turkey hunter, so that was something I was familiar with, and I've just kind of gone kind of right into using those for deer. Uh, with some success, I suppose you could say. Um, so the key thing, of course, with a stand or a blind is location. Uh, you want to be close to that trail, uh, as close as you can reasonably get to where you're hoping those deer are going to pop out uh, so that you can make a good shot with your bow. Um, but you also need to consider factors like the wind direction. You don't want your scent to be going towards the deer or where they're coming into the field or coming uh, onto that trail. So you need to be conscious of the prevailing winds in your area. Uh, around where we're from, it's usually pretty much north or west, sometimes south on a, a warm day. So we have kind of setups for the different winds so that we have options. But uh, you want to make sure you set your blind in a place where the wind generally is going to be okay for where those deer are coming out. Um, and then also elevation is a big deal when you're setting up a ground blind. Um, you definitely want to be up more on a hill where you can see your surroundings. Um, and sometimes there's a situation where you want to be like really tucked into a, a row of pine trees. Like one of my blinds this year is kind of set up that way. Like there's, you're, you can't see anything out the back of the blind, um, but there's a great 10, 15 yard shot to a good trail coming into the field out front. Um, so that's something to be aware of is like visibility and the surroundings of where you set your blind, but elevation is kind of key for that. Uh, I really like to be up high um, on higher ground so that I can be seeing deer around me and even further away from me uh, just to be kind of aware of what's in the area and back to the point about observing those deer and their movement and their patterns uh, if you can scout and hunt at the same time by watching a wider area uh, that could really help you maybe make a move further down the road to eventually kill those deer that you're seeing in another place um, and then as far as concealing the blinds I don't like to go overboard with brushing in. Um, I don't really see that as necessary. The deer seem to acclimate to the blinds 
fairly quickly and with a giant uh, hub style ground blind there's no way you're gonna make that completely invisible in most cases but you can do some stuff to help yourself blend in make that look a little bit more natural so when we set up ground blinds we always like to cut some brush from the surrounding area um, like evergreen branches are great or uh, sometimes deciduous branches um, grass on the lower part of the blind uh, just enough to kind of get it tucked into the surroundings and make it look like it belongs there um, or something I've seen work really well uh, when other people have done this is if you're hunting a standing cornfield or even a cut cornfield just using that corn stubble almost like you would for a, a layout blind for goose hunting to really make that blind kind of disappear um, so that's a little bit about concealment and then uh, a key point to not overlook is window positioning on your blind uh, maybe you're fortunate enough to have a, a something really nice like a double bowl where the entire front opens up and you have almost infinite adjustability but my blinds are not that way they have specific windows built in uh, zipper windows so you need to make sure after you set up your blind as you're setting up your blind actually before you get everything staked down that those windows are facing uh, where you intend to take a shot at a deer and also that it's at the appropriate height where you can shoot out the window with your bow so the best way to do this of course you can do it without your bow and kind of just judge eyeball judge things but the best way to do it is get in there with your bow, uh, make sure that you can angle your bow as you need to to be able to shoot out that window. Uh, sometimes Jack and I do this uh, kind of with the buddy system where yeah. one of us is the deer and walks down the trail and we make sure that uh, the, the deer is visible um, and able to be drawn on with a bow from inside the blind. Now, make sure you don't shoot your buddies. Right, of course. You never knock an arrow while you're doing this. I don't even draw the bow. Just... Uh, it's getting a sense of being able to shoot from that position in your blind. That's important uh, because you don't want to be in that situation where a nice buck's walking down the trail and you learn something too late about the way your blind's set up that is going to screw you over in the moment. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a great um, kind of overview of blinds and ground blinds. Maybe more than you needed to know. Maybe a lot of things <laughs> you already did know, but hey. Yeah. Now we're going to jump into stands. Now this includes tree stands, um, tripod stands, quad pod stands. Now just brief, uh, what's the word? I don't know what I'm saying. So just saying we only started getting to tripods and quad pods this year, but we have great experiences. I'm about to talk about that. But first thing I'm going to talk about is tree stands. The classic, all deer hunters have probably used it at some point. Tree sand. Loved. I'm not going to continue ramble on about how much people love these. Um, but, yeah, the first thing about um, setting up a tree stand is picking a tree. Obviously, you know, you could go out and set up a tree stand in the middle of nowhere on this tree that's in the middle of the field. But that's not what you want to do. Like, yeah, you can maybe get a deer. But um, as we're kind of going back to observation... You want to watch where these deer are coming and watch where these um, deer are, uh, you know, kind of moving, like movement and like um, like their uh, entrances and exits of hunting areas. Yeah, so as far as picking a tree, again, it comes back to location. Um, you're relying on that scouting that you've been doing, uh, hopefully doing in order to figure out where the deer are moving. So you should have a general sense of this would be a good area to hunt. And you should have a general sense of I could set up in this vicinity to have a pretty good wind most times that I would go hunting so that my scent's not blowing right at the deer and where they're, they're coming from or feeding or bedding. 
so once you've established that general area and you kind of know, I'd like to set up here. Um, picking the actual tree is extremely important, especially when you're hunting with a bow, uh, because your shot could be very limited if you choose the wrong tree. So you want to make sure that you have um, a tree where you have visibility to see the animal coming, to be able to know when deer are close to you, uh, and you want to make sure that you have a clear uh, angle of shooting and clear shooting lanes. So part of that is that you have to create those shooting lanes. You have to do a little bit of work sometimes to get some brush out of the way, to cut some limbs, uh, just to make room for yourself to draw back and to get an arrow cleanly to the animal. Uh, but picking the right tree in the first place can be crucial for that. So case in point, uh, we have a couple of stands in uh, pine plantations on one of our properties and the thing with that is it's great you can see all the way down the row of the pine trees but if you choose the wrong tree to sit in and you position your stand just a little bit wrong you could be entirely blocked on a whole uh, side of that stand by the other row of trees so picking the right tree where you can see down that row and between the other trees is extremely important so that's just one example of where actually picking the right tree is extremely important. Uh, positioning your stand correctly is always important. Um, as far as setting up a stand, um, it's, I guess it just depends on what kind of stand you've got, but if you're hunting a traditional tree stand, um, either screw-in steps or climbing sticks, something like that, um, always good to have a lineman's belt or something similar like that to help out with safety, and always good to do this with a buddy who can uh, hold your ladder, just kind of spot you, uh, and help you be safe as you're doing that. Um, yeah, that's, that was, uh, tree, tree stands. Now, um, I'm going to give you, um, a little bit of an idea of what I know about, um, tripod stands, quad pod stands. Not quite the same thing, but they're pretty similar. Um, right now we, we are running, um, two tripod stands on our 40 acres of land. Um, we have one, um, pretty close to a bunch of, they're not just pines, they're just, uh, some sort of evergreen, just kind of some sort of evergreen forest, um, and they're kind of concealed by, um, four, um, evergreens surrounding it, <clears throat> and, um, um, now it's not super key when you have tripod stands and quad pod stands for them to be, you know, concealed, because, you know, you're up in the air. That's kind of like the reason why you're up in the air. So you can get a better vantage point and so that they can't see you as well. But um, um, what, what we have right now is, like I said, we're surrounded by pine trees. And we can um, see over all these pine trees in a great, um, um, in a great, like a great view. Um, not quite 360 um, view, but um, it's beautiful. You're able to see... 500 yards with it and that's kind of um, the elevation thing um, with tripod stands and quad pod um, stands that um, it's basically like a big blind up in the air yeah it definitely could be an advantage as far as visibility and being able to see those deer coming from a long ways off yeah um, and with the um, tripod stands comes the um, um, the advantage of like I, like I said, being up in the air, not that them not being able to see you, but you being able to spin in a circle, being able to see um, where these deer come from, from so many different angles. Now with like a um, with like a tree stand, um, you're fixed in one point. You're not turning around to the other side of the tree unless you've got like some freaky like 
cyber tree stand or something. <laughs> um, but uh, um, yeah, uh, most I think most quad pod quad pods or tripods have like spinning chairs so you can see all around you. That's one thing that's great. They're amazing for rifle. They're pretty good for bow, at least um, from what we've seen. Um, we're excited to be able to use them more, but um, they're, it's kind of the same thing as cellular. If you have the money, get them. They're great. But if you don't, tripod, um, tripod stands and quad pods are not necessary. You can just get in a ground blind that you bought for $50 or in a tree stand that, you know, your uncle gave you because <laughs> he died or something. <laughs> that went really dark. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, this whole using tripods for bow hunting thing is kind of a work in progress for us, honestly. This is the first season we're trying it. Um, and Jack mentioned that concealment isn't necessarily super important when you're up in the air on a stand like that. And that's, that's kind of true, I think, when you're hunting with a gun. But if you're hunting with a bow trying to get a real close shot, uh, that can matter a lot more. So actually that, that tripod Jack mentioned where we're kind of in amongst a bunch of evergreen trees that come up almost to the top of the tripod... That's a great spot uh, it's actually to try where with I, a bow. It's actually where I shot my first deer. Mm -hmm. Same exact spot. Yeah, that was a fun hunt. I remember that. Uh, so with uh, tripod or quad pod hunting with a bow, something you do need to be aware of is most of these are definitely designed for shotgun or rifle hunters. So you need to be sure that you have uh, some sort of uh, ability to shoot with a bow um, effectively. So a lot of these stands will have a rail that goes all the way around. Uh, the tripod model that we have, I believe, is the Apex by Big Game, um, yep. and it has a rail that actually, it, it goes completely around you, 360 degrees, but it actually flips back uh, so that the front is completely out of your way. So super easy to shoot from with a bow, um, just as good for uh, gun hunting later in the season if that's something you choose to do as well, uh, but if you're looking at a possibility of potentially hunting from a, with a bow from a tripod, uh, that'd be a great one to look at. We have have really enjoyed that stand so far. Yeah, and uh, now up in our, uh, um, our land that's like probably three hours away from our 40 acres, it's up north in Grand Rapids, we um, um, had just set up a uh, quad pod stand. It's a two-person, actually, quad pod stand. Um, they're... Uh, pretty much the same thing. Like, I don't think I really need to give you a rundown on that because they're... Four legs instead of three. Yeah, practically the same thing. But, yeah, like I was saying, it's kind of like cellular. If you have the money, great. It will help you. It might, it'll, pro it'll probably help you kill more deer, but it's not necessary for you to kill a deer, you know, to get that big buck. So, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Um, all these things we mentioned, like, yeah, with the trail cameras and, and the, the stands, like, these are all kind of luxuries, um, and there's so many ways to kill whitetail. Um, really, it's about doing your homework, doing that scouting. In order to, to kill a deer, no matter how much gear and money you throw at it, uh, you really got to know where those deer are, what they're doing. Uh, so, again, that scouting is key. Got to keep coming back to that. And uh, you guys, that is all for our podcast today. Uh, next week, we'll be coming at you with some information on duck hunting. Can't duck wait hunting. for that. Oh, man. So much fun. So we will talk to you then. You'll hear from us then. We won't see you then. But we look <laughs> forward to you joining us for that next Friday. Yep. Great. Thanks for joining us, guys.